It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, I don't even know if I want to ask you how you're doing. Uh, we appreciate the fact that you're here. We're calling this Alan's flu game. Very sick right now, but he's here with us back. Alan, what's going on? Yeah, if you heard like someone who sounded like an Ohio River monster asking Mike Tomlin questions on the press conference <laughs> uh, after the Bengals game, that was just me. Um, yeah, I've been, been under the weather a good bit. Uh 10 hours round trip driving to Cincinnati in the last 48, not really helping that much long night last mm-hmm. night. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. I hope I don't sound too bad. Um, some of the, uh, some of the female reporters uh, that cover the Steelers said that a deeper voice can be sexy. So I don't know. That's what <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm hoping for here. I will try to double my energy to make up for the fact that you might not have as much on today's episode. But, Alan, we got to talk about this game yesterday. A lot of people excited to see how game one without Matt Canada would go for this offense. They pass 400 yards of total offense in this game for the first time and nearing six. Was it 58 games? Nearing 60 games uh, since 2020 that they had done so. Um, but I want to talk about this offense because from your perspective, I want to know how different did it actually look like? Obviously, the results were better. The execution was there at times more than it has been in previous weeks. But like schematically, what was different? What was real? What isn't real going forward? What can we expect? I mean, they didn't do anything that they haven't done before. Okay, let's just say that. Like, there's not like there was no new plays that I saw that were just like, oh, that hasn't happened. There were some wrinkles, right? I mean, we saw mm-hmm. a couple things maybe done out of different packages or like they ran their three tight end package a lot more than we've seen them do it yeah. in any one game. We saw maybe it was just one play, but we did see some pony, which I've been calling for, I feel like, for weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We saw, obviously, you know, the usage of Pat Fryermuth. You know, we talked about this, that first game back from a hamstring, figured he wasn't going to be a big part of the game plan right away in that Cleveland game. But I think the impact of Pat Frymuth coming back, obviously it's sort of hard to separate that out, right. From, from the other changes. Like, you know, I asked Kenny Pickett, I was like, did you know coming into this game, it was going to be like, Oh, you're really going to try to get the ball to Pat. And he's like, not really. That's just what the Bengals were giving us. I just thought they did a much better job of being fluid, staying on schedule. Um, staying out of third and long and i i just felt like it was you know like we've talked a lot on this show about how like the matt canada offense had a ceiling but they weren't even reaching the 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 level of that offense i felt like this was like the matt canada offense run better than it has been and look like you know is it a is it a coincidence that it happens in the first game after they fire him I don't know. It could be like, that's possible. Okay. Like that, like we can't just assume like just because changes happen in proximal times doesn't mean that they are the cause. Right. Okay. Like Pat Farmer is coming back, makes a huge difference for this offense and a huge difference in Kenny Pickett's willingness to throw the ball over the middle of the field. I don't think anybody would, would suggest otherwise. So like what's real and what isn't right. What was a real change and what wasn't, I think that's really, hard to parse out of one game. Um, 
but there's a lot to feel good about coming out of that game. Um, I wrote at uh, SteelersNow.com, which is the website where my words live. You should go read them there so that I can get paid. Um, <laughs> in my column last night, look, I've been taking a lot of cold medicine, so maybe this was a bad choice uh, artistically, but I went with it, okay? Well, went in a little history lesson here. Um, the era of good feelings was a part of the, the U.S. history when James Madison was president that came immediately after World, uh, the War of 1812. During the War of 1812, uh, the United States was invaded by Britain and they burned down the White House and Dolly Madison had to go run. Like It was not some kind of military success, but the era of good feelings came after it anyway because of coming together and patriotism and like I don't think you have to win a battle for the adversity of the battle to bring people closer together. And I think that's something I feel coming out of this team, following the loss of the Browns, following the firing of Matt Canada, where the offense really needed to come together in a more significant way. Um, and I feel like we've seen that. They seem much more on the same page. One missed communication between Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson. Um, but it just felt like it was everybody was pulling in the same direction. And I think it was really good for them to get that result and to be able to reinforce that. Um, Kenny, you said after the game, you know, you can have like all the raw-raw speeches in the world and still get your butt kicked. Like it doesn't matter how together you think you are if it doesn't translate into winning. But I think that's mm -hmm. an important part of this. You know, Mike Tomlin didn't actually come out and say that, like, losing the locker room was a part of the reason that Matt Canada was fired. But it was pretty clear that there was not a lot of confidence from the players in the locker room in the plan yeah. going forward. And it feels like there's now a buy-in again that was not there a week ago. And I think that's important. So that feels real to me. Um, yeah. Kenny Pickett played pretty well. He's played pretty well in pieces before. I think that might have been like his most like complete game. There's still a lot of meat on the bone, man. Like I went back and watched yeah. the tape, and there's like mm -hmm. five or ten plays where you're like, yeah, just right there. And yep. like that could have been a really good game. It could have been an easy game. In fact, I might say it should have been an easy game because they beat the crap out of the Bengals up and down the field. Um, yeah. that game had really no business being close in the fourth quarter. And so again, like I don't really know how much of Kenny Pickett playing better. We can attribute to any specific change made confidence. You know, I think that story will have to be written as it, as it plays out over the course of the season. The other thing that happened in this game is not something I think had anything to do with the coaching change, but was something that was coming in that, Jalen Warren was not going to be the better option every week and that you were going to see whether it was just the way guys are playing, whether it's the way a defense is attacking them, the way guys are blocking, the weather, the surface, whatever, there was going to be a day where Najee Harris was the guy. It was really good to see that happen. And the Steelers, like we've talked about before, identifying that that was happening and leaning mm -hmm. on it. Like that was something that we did not see in you know, Jalen Warren goes off for 130 yards on nine carries, right? This time, Najee clearly the better back throughout the day. And at the end of the game, it's Najee Harris getting the carries. Now, they couldn't put the game away the way they would have wanted to, but I felt like they did a better job of sort of realizing what was working and what was not working inside the game 
and and making those adjustments. You know, like it was very obvious at the beginning of the game, Cincinnati was there in twin safety, and and Kenny Pickett right away went to Pat Fryer for the middle field, and they went to it a lot. And twin safety generally means a light box, so they were going with a lot of nausea runs, and it was working. As soon as the Bengals went to a cover one. That's when we got a deep shot to Deontay Johnson. That's when we got a deep shot to George Pickens. Like it felt like they were ready for to to adjust to the changes that were happening in the game in a way that they have not really done very well this year. Again, can that be one game and, and a small sample, obviously? But I feel like those are some of the things that felt like real tangible improvements that we should expect most of them to carry over going forward. Yeah, I, I made a lot of interesting points there. I think the first thing that I look at, and just from like the fan base perspective, the first thing that they're going to pull from this game and say was different was the utilization of the middle of the field. But to your point, when you see, you know, cover two, cover six, what the Bengals were playing in, you know, those present those opportunities more than the Steelers having to force the issue. So that is why I think it great to see them open up the game with that type of look, though, and pick it immediately, just say, we're, we're checking this box right now. We're using the middle of the field, Pat Fryer moved, getting involved early and then going from there. But I think uh, another point that you made in terms of like the tangible stuff, the on-field schematic stuff versus just like player morale playing into this too. Guys wanting to prove that they are a capable of being a good offense. And, you know, maybe there was some truth to Matt Canada being the reason that they were held back or on the opposite side of that, shouldering the blame for the guy being fired. Uh, there's a lot of things that play into this that have every reason to go out there and execute better. And again, scoring 16 points, a lot of meat left on the bone still, sure. But definitely, in my opinion, a dramatic improvement from an execution standpoint yesterday from where they were at, at least. Still, again, there's much more to be had here, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I don't know that it like changed... Like I asked this to Nick Faribault in the press box yesterday. I was like... Mm-hmm. Do you come out of this game thinking that the Steelers will win an, any more games than you did before? And I, I think the answer is no. Like, I kind of have the same expectations for them for the rest yeah. of the season. I think the one thing it does change for me, and by the way, like, that's my job, right? Like, I'm supposed to be the one that doesn't change, right? Or that I don't get too excited by good things and too even yeah. by bad things, right? Like, that's the, that's the idea of, of a neutral observer. Um, but I think the thing that changes for me is that I I feel like there is a chance that they could do better than that. Like, I think they showed a blueprint for a better game than they gave. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get there. But, like, mm-hmm. I could see that game plan run over again, resulting in an actual dominant offensive performance, which that was not. It was a good game, but it was not a dominant offensive performance. But I can see the ingredients being laid out for that kind of dominant offensive performance. And the other thing that really stood out to me, and we can make this a segue or whatever, but I asked TJ Watt about this game. And, you know, so many times this year, the Steelers were outgained, outpossessed, and winning or found a way to win at the very end. And I asked TJ what was different about being on the other side of it, where they were outgaining and outpossessing the Bengals all the, the entire game, but trailed for, you know, a quarter and a half. And he said, we were rested at the end of the game. Like, we were so ready to go in that fourth quarter. They weren't going anywhere. Like, it was like, like he's like, 
the way TJ Watt said it is like this defense could be so much better if they weren't on the field all the dang time. Now he didn't come out and say that, but like <laughs> that's that's the message that was coming across there. Okay, and so like yeah. that was eye opening to me. Like they're already like sixth in the league in defense. Like he's saying like they could be better if their offense could just hang on to the ball a little bit more. Like that's that's an impressive thought, right? Like how much better could the Steelers defense really be? if the offense just keeps them off the field in the way they did, that was the third most time of possession they've had since 2020 in that game. Wow. So like, it was not just yards. They were eating up Mm -hmm. clock and they were keeping the defense off the field. And I think even though you don't score a lot anywhere near as much, you you get 400 yards, you you know, you're going to have more than 16 points. Like that's not enough, but Mm -hmm man, did they do a good job of really controlling the flow of the game. Converting a lot of third downs. Yeah, and and see, that is kind of where my mind goes to in regards to you said, like, does it make me feel any differently? Or you and Nick were talking about, does it make you feel any differently? Like season outlook, bigger picture. Does it make them win more games or anything like that? Being a top six defense with as little as their offense has given them, if they are able to be more well-rested, they played 43 defensive snaps yesterday, which is crazy. I mean, Cam Hayward, we haven't seen him play over 50% of the snaps for this reason, played 81% of their defensive snaps yesterday because he was able to be so well-rested, only had to play like 35 snaps. So, and, and this is without Minka Fitzpatrick, by the way, and I do want to bring up Trenton Thompson in a little bit because I feel like we just have to talk about him. But um, that's almost why I feel like there is a little bit, like if you can get a little bit more balance, still, again, not asking for you know the the world to be moved here by this offense or anything like that, but if you can have some balance, if the offense can give you what they gave you yesterday with maybe another touchdown thrown in there, you know, add on the Deontay Johnson touchdown that wasn't, um, I, I do I do feel better about where this team could be. I Because I, you, you're talking, okay, feel good about their chances against Arizona, New England, like those types of teams anyway. But like the conversation about like, can they compete with, they always play well against Baltimore, but generally speaking, Seattle at the end of the season, like I feel better about the chances in those types of games because of what they showed yesterday. I can get down with that. I think I think I feel and, and the other thing I feel much better about is the idea of them ever just walloping a team. Like I feel like 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 this game like legitimately like Deontay catches that ball and by the way yes Mike Tomlin should have challenged it but I'm not sure that like I even would have given them a 50-50 shot of it. I know what Gene Steratore said, but like right. ref, the thing is, is that it, it was called improperly on the field. Okay. But but that is a judgment call, and referees hate overturning judgment calls. I'm I'm a little more skeptical than he presented on the broadcast and on X that that would have been clearly overturned. I think probably under 50% still worth the risk for a first half timeout. I think Mike Tomlin should have challenged it. And it's absurd that his reason for not challenging it was that they didn't show the replay on the scoreboard. Like, come on, Mike, what are we doing here? It's 2013. Like I can see the replay on here and find out like what, you know, like, come on. So uh, that, that was ridiculous, but like, man, if they just, if they go in and score there, come down and score again. Like the game's over. Like, you know, you get up 14 on Cincinnati and it's over. And they just couldn't ever, like, you know, push through. I think there's a lot more. Um, also, Mike Tomlin should have gone for it on that fourth and two from the 40 yard line. Oh, man. Like, come yeah. on. What are, we, what are we doing here? Like, <clears throat> that's not helping either. And so um, 
I, I but they they really should have been able to beat the crap out of that team, and I, I it makes me feel better about their chances of doing that. Um, but I'm not sure that I feel better about them like facing Kansas City or Miami. Like I I don't like I you know I, it doesn't change that much in that regard for me, not yet anyway. Like we would have to see. I think the the path to more is there, but we would have to see more before I really change my mind about something like that. It's like an improved version of the blueprint. I feel like yesterday. Of course, they're still not there, but again, how about being the other team's offense off the field? I yeah. thought like the best possible result for this team yesterday at 10 a.m. was like win a lucky wild card draw and get beat by a better team in the second round. I still think that's about the top level of this team, but maybe I feel better about their chances of getting there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like, like what if, what if they match up with, okay, whoever in the first round somehow do be, whether it's Jacksonville, Miami, whoever, and then they draw Baltimore in the second round, who, again, they've seemed to have like at least a blueprint of how to play against them. Yeah, they probably couldn't though. I mean, I guess they could have. Like Baltimore is not going to be good enough to go on that kind of like they have a tough schedule. Like I understand they're the one seed right now, but I don't see yeah. them being able to maintain that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm I'm just saying, like I felt like that was the ceiling. Was like you get a good first round draw, you win it, you go on the road in Arrowhead in December, and you lose by two touchdowns, and you say, okay, we had a pretty good year. Like I felt like that was the kind of ceiling for this team. And I still don't see that result changing, but I just think I can envision them getting there a little bit more clearly now. Things are Mm -hmm. falling into place a little bit that makes that outcome feel a little bit more realistic, even if I haven't really raised where I think they can go. Um, You mentioned TJ is the one that that brought that up, and I wanted to bring up TJ because of what he did yesterday. Now back atop the league leading sacks. It kind of seemed like he had, I don't want to say slipped away or wasn't part of the conversation anymore, but do you feel like he's reinserted himself into at least the top echelon of the guys for Defensive Player of the Year? Dirty player. Dirty player. (laughs) That's actually what it stands for. Dirty Dirty player of the year. DPOI. So absurd. It's like the farthest thing in the world from a dirty player. He's a hard player. I mean, he's tough. Mm-hmm. He's he's physical. He's not dirty at all. Um, and this is absurd. Um, it was a late hit against uh Browning and, and deserved the penalty for it, but uh, to call TJ Watt dirty is insane. Um is he defensive player of the year candidate? Yeah, I think he's right there in that conversation. Like and gosh, look at the Steelers' defense, like dragging this offense, kicking and screaming into the postseason. And how can you not talk about the value of the players on this defense? And they're doing it with Cam Hayward out for, I don't know, what was it, seven or eight weeks? Megan Fitzpatrick now going to be out four or five weeks. Like, yeah, Alex Highsmith's been great, but TJ's been the guy. He's been the guy every week. And I think it's been noticeable. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely to me. Is a defensive player of the year candidate. I'm not sure he's the favorite, but he's got to be in that conversation. Yeah. I, again, I'm not saying he ever was out of it. It just seemed like he was no longer really being talked about. You know, like Miles Garrett obviously kind of had like his his breakout game that week against the Colts, and it had been him as the favorite since then. Uh, you know, Deron Bland, who has the most pick sixes uh, now in a season for the Dallas Cowboys, being part of that conversation. So it just kind of seemed like TJ had kind of gone by the wayside for a lot of people. 
I could get down with voting for Deron Bland too, because like pick sixes are incredibly valuable plays. Although DJ has two as a, as a defensive touchdown too. Um, <clears throat> and almost another one an interception return to what it was about the five yard line against the Rams. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think, I think TJ's, I mean, I'm looking at the betting odds right now and he's third behind Garrett and Parsons. And I feel like that's, that's reasonable right now, but look, if he ends up as the sack leader, which I yeah. think he probably will, given who's coming at quarterback for the Steelers, like another game against Browning, Mac Jones, Kyler Murray, great athlete, runs around, holds the ball too long, takes a lot of sacks. Lamar Jackson, same thing. Like, could very yep. easily be the like I, I think should be expected to not only lead the league in sacks, or eleven games in he has thirteen and a half. Like, could could be breaking his own NFL sack record this year. Yeah. Yep. We are officially on watch. I think I wanted to bring up when you mentioned interceptions, I said, I wanted to bring up Trenton Thompson again, played every snap besides one yesterday for this defense uh, a week after making his first NFL start gets an interception in this game. Really? I don't know what else you could ask for a guy jumping on a moving train than what Trenton Thompson has given this defense. Man, is he good? Like, and I knew that there was like the Browns game. I thought like was a good matchup for him because it was just going to be a lot of like, "Hey, Njoku's your guy. Go get him." Like he's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not an easy matchup for any safety, but it was an easy mental matchup, right? It was a simple ass- assignment to to grasp. I thought they really mixed and matched defenses in a much more significant way against the Bengals. They were in a lot of different fronts. They were in a lot of different packages and he handled it all, man. There was none of the communications issues that we saw early on in the Browns game. Those guys were locked in. I mean, yeah, it's a bad Bengals team with no T Higgins, no Joe Burrow, but that was one of the most dominant Steelers defensive performances. I can remember seeing like half of the Bengals yards were balls that were off Steelers defenders hands. Like it was yeah. Joe Mixon had eight carries for 16 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's um, that's dominant defense, and they were great. But Trenton Thompson, man, and, and they they really got something. Michael Walker has been great too. Really yep. felt like the Bengals were specifically going at him and staying away from a Landon Roberts, which again another credit to a guy who stepped up into a bigger role. But like I've not noticed some big drop off in play with Roberts and Walker. And Thompson in there compared to Neal and Alexander and Holcomb. The Steelers have just turned the page. And, man, you want to talk about the standard is the standard. Like, I think this is a, a pretty solid example of Mike Tomlin's philosophy there coming to life. Trent Thompson was a guy who was signed two weeks into training camp because every single safety was hurt and mm-hmm. now is uh, starting and does not look like he doesn't fit at all. Right. It's a credit to the players and the coaching staff. I mean, for having those guys yeah, in those positions. How about like pro scouts like Sheldon White and Dave yeah. Pettit to find guys like I mean, both Walker was on a practice squad. Thompson was was, you know, waived by another team. You know, this isn't like some draft, you know, story. This is like picking up other team scraps and and uh turn it into something valuable. Mm-hmm. And and as far as Trenton Thompson goes, whenever it is that Mika Fitzpatrick does come back, how do you keep Trenton Thompson in the fold? Does he kind of play that Keanu Neal role, or or how does he stay part of this defense? He's not as big as Neal. I don't expect him to take snaps at linebacker, but I expect him to fill that role. Yeah, and he's been really good. Like I, I think he can. Like, I think they got a player in Trenton Thompson beyond this next week. Like I, I think that he is a guy that should expect to stay on the roster and, and be a part of the rotation going forward. I think he's that good. Yeah. I, 
very impressed with what he's been able to do. Um, we did have one question that I wanted to bring up. We talked uh, obviously about the offense and anytime that that's talked about, obviously the most polarizing player on that offense is going to be Kenny Pickett. We got a question. Uh, one of my favorites, you mentioned last week, he uh, had a lot of ballage based off his draft question and how uh, the philosophy has changed. But he said, what did you notice specifically from Kenny yesterday? If anything, just seems like he was really good when the situation heightened, et cetera, on third downs, especially. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that the Bengals gave him a lot of easy reads and he took them and he hasn't always like I felt like he was just doing the simple stuff. Well, like it's not a sexy answer, but I, I just felt like 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 there was not like he didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, he struggled with a lot of things in this game. Uh, some of them continue like the, the real versus simulated pressure conundrum has been something that's really been getting him uh, over yeah. the last few weeks. And that's impacted the usage in the middle of the field, because if you think there's a big blitz coming and all of a sudden guys are dropping out, you don't really know like who dropped where it's a lot easier to identify where you have one-on-one coverage on the outside. So people don't throw it over the middle. Like that's part of it. And I think you still struggled with that. Like I think the Bengals got him a number of times on that. Um, but I just felt like, the routine was done more routinely to use another Mike Tomlin phrase. Like the easy yeah. throws were made. Like he's, he missed the slant of George and there was um actually a pretty bad throw on a, a crossing route to Deontay Johnson that Deontay kind of pulled off his shoelaces. I'm not really, I expect Kennedy to be a fairly accurate quarterback. I'm like that has been an, an aberration to me that I don't expect to continue. The reading of defenses, I think, has been something that's been a consistent struggle for him. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Now, again, though, like we have to say, like, maybe his first read was just open all day and the Bengals made it easy for him. Like, I don't like, you know, we don't know. I'm not in his headset. I don't know the way the play is called, but I thought he did a good job of just taking what was given, not trying to force things and not he still missed a lot of open guys, but you know, I think he was finding more of them and especially on third down, like they, they found a good rhythm to keep him in third and manageable and then really converted a lot of those like third and fours and fives. They did a really nice job with those. Uh, 10 for 14, 165 yards, 110.7 passer rating. And we'll throw this in there for the PFF folks, uh, two big time throws. He was credited with on third down as well. <laughs> those big time throws always crack me up. Cause there was like a game where like, I remember I was watching live. Justin Herbert was just like ridiculous, especially in the fourth quarter. And they didn't credit him with like a single big time throw the entire game. Like in the fourth quarter alone, he probably had four that I would consider big time throws. So those are always funny, but wanted to throw that in there. Also 8.4 yards per attempt in this one. Yeah. I mean, they really took advantage when the Bengals went into a single high, they took those two deep shots, one to Deontay down the right sideline. Well, there's mm -hmm. three, one to hit two of them, uh, two to George down the left side. Uh, one with George in the slot on a slot fade or slot corner. I'm not sure which one it was, but, um, you know, those have been there and he hasn't been throwing them. Like, I don't really think those are dangerous passes. I don't think the still, you know, was, there was a quote from Jalen Warren that said, I felt like we were more aggressive or I don't know, something like that. Like, I, I'm not really sure I buy that. Like it didn't, it was all the same plays that they've called, like literally. And, and yeah, I guess there can be different teaching points about that, but you know, I just felt like Kenny was better and we'll see if it continues. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else? Yeah, we didn't bring up Deontay Johnson. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Deontay Johnson stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to. Did we have a question about it, or you just want to get into? No, it? no. There was a lot of just like when we posted the the video on YouTube. There's a lot of people <laughs> bash bashing him, but nothing was like actually posed as a question. Just a lot of people saying like he's given up on this team, needs to be traded. A lot of a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson is a pretty well-respected member of that locker room. I don't think that there's any problems between Deontay Johnson and his teammates. The idea that there was some big blow-up with him and Minka Fitzpatrick during the Browns game was far overrated. I mean, look, these things happen every time a team loses. It is not – it's not even notable, really. Um, I, I don't really get the sense that there are – uh, issues with Deontay Johnson among Steelers players. He probably needs to pay a little more attention when he's on the field than he did on that fumble where he just wanders off. Um, mm-hmm. That's not really excusable. Um, but I, I don't think that there's from a play, like, like I don't think there's a player issue or a locker room issue with Deontay Johnson right now. I, I, you just said it perfectly. Like, you can criticize what he did specifically on that one play and talk about him needing to be better there without making some brash long-term projection about him no longer needing to be on the team or criticizing him so far. Like I saw people DMing him and saying stuff to like, it is absolutely ridiculous how over the top people go. The way that you put it was perfect. I mean, we know how the coaches and, and his teammates value him and the way that he's looked at in that locker room certainly needed to be better than he was on that Jalen Warren fumble, hopefully he learns from it. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, go watch the video. Five other guys on the offense don't react to the ball either. I would just like yeah. to point out. Now, it's ve- look, Connor Hayward makes a great play. It probably saves a touchdown. He's on his back. Like, he was trying to block, got himself pancaked, got up and made the tackle. Great hustle by Connor Hayward. Let's call out that. But there was like four or five other guys don't have any reaction to the play either. It was a weird play. He fumbled. Yeah. It looked like he was already down. He fumbled. The ball comes like far away from the play. Mm-hmm. You just got to pay more attention to that. I will also say this. Deontay Johnson's blocking or whatever quote is like <laughs> yeah, top yeah. five quote for me. It's like, Alan, what did you do at work yesterday? I invented nuclear fusion or whatever. Yeah. yeah like you can literally say anything or whatever. Oh. And it's, it's I wanted not- to ask you something about that play actually yeah. because uh well the blocking or whatever is hilarious by the way on that play specifically it was definitely the or whatever part of that but Charles Davis brought up on the broadcast that maybe they're telling him not to block and obviously you wouldn't have heard this being at the covering the game but Charles Davis said maybe on that play they would be telling him to not block to keep the corner from or they want him to come in or something like right. that. So, I mean, there's a school of thought where it just depends on the, the wide receiver and the cornerback involved, where sometimes you don't want your wide receiver to block unless the corner starts to make a move to get into the play. If your wide receiver is not a particularly big, burly guy, and he comes off the line and hits the corner, and the corner takes two-tenths of a second to sh- shunt him aside, now that corner knows it's a run – and is a free player, okay, whereas if the, if the wide receiver kind of stands there and does one of these, you know, like, mm-hmm. then the corner is like, oh, what is it? Okay, then he goes, oh, let's run over there. 
you know, like you kind of just, you might get them backpedaling too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just keep the corner out of the play by, by keeping yourself as a, as a pass receiving option longer than you do trying to block him sometimes. Like that's the, Mm -hmm. the reality of it. Um, now I don't know that I can't tell you whether he was told that or not for that play right. or if he yeah. has the freedom to pick and choose when he wants to do things like that. There are certain plays where specifically they are told don't block, just stand there and try to keep the corner distracted. I don't know if that's was part of this play call or not. I kind of doubt it, but it just, you know, I, I don't know how the Steelers coach that and how, you know, he, how much freedom he has there, but there's definitely, there are definitely times when you do not want your receiver to at the snap of the ball, just go try to block a guy like that will actually be detrimental sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I've on it. I mean, it makes sense. I've never heard somebody bring it up from the booth that way. So, cause that was honestly my first criticism above anything else was it just seemed like he wasn't involved in the play whatsoever. Like he didn't seem interested in being on the field on that play, but okay. Good to know. Um, anything else? No, I think that's it. I cannot wait to see the comments on this one. I'm assuming that a lot of them are going to be either over the top in terms of the offense, why Kenny still sucks, uh, or how much better they are without Canada or about Deontay Johnson. I'm expecting those three things. So don't let me down, audience. Uh, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. Bed in five minutes. Uh, <laughs> at a Saunders underscore PGH on XPGH Steelers Now, sites account SteelersNow.com. Go there, read the words that I write, and read them. Uh, so that I can get paid so, and uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're moving. We got some, we got some movement here. I like, I'm like 10, 10, three. I like it. Let's, let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. See where we can get by the end of the season here. I'm excited. Great to be great to be growing the audience that way. It, hey, you said audience. There you go. I, the I'm learning. Track. I can be taught. Yeah. 10,355 is the exact number. So yes, let's continue to grow that. <laughs> How do we do that? Subscribe button right below alan like hit that notification bell tell somebody about the show go tell a steel fan send it to him right now say hey watch this episode if you like it subscribe then they can tell a friend so on so forth keep the chain rolling uh if you were listening somewhere else leave us a five-star review over there like i said hit us in the comments as well i'm zachary smith pgh round Saunders and myself thanks for jumping in taking another ride with us on the steelers afternoon drive